0: Let's go, jump into the Word of God today. I want to share with you guys a little bit. We're going to the Word, and then we're going to pray, and we're probably going to close off again with some worship. Uh, today we're concluding our annual Legacy series. And so we've been on this series for the last six weeks, and we've really been kind of building and focusing this way. Today I'm, I'm bringing the conclusion of it. Um, and, and so several key things are I mean, Legacy is something that's been built by one generation that is entrusted to the next it's something that is built. It's something that is sacrificed for. Something that is you know, brought together. And then it is generational in nature, though. Legacy is always thinking about not just what you have, but what are you building and what are you leaving? What are you leaving? What are you entrusting to the next generation? That's very built. And God's very much about this. Even if you look at, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? He thinks in generations. Generations. He does things in one generation, but part of that is to take to another generation. It's interesting, if you go into Deuteronomy, where we find the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Quite often, because that's the part Jesus quoted, we stop there. But if you read it, it says, and this is still the great commandment. There was no stoppage. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, and you shall teach this to your children. Actually, part of the great commandment is to love God, to love your neighbor, but then to teach it to your children, to actually impart it to the next generation. That's part of the command. And so we want to have a heart for legacy. We want to have a heart for generations. We have a heart for what God's building here at Toronto City Church. And so in this time, we, as you guys know, but I'm recapping because I know we have some guests today. We've taken time to talk about just more of who we are as a church. We've taken time to talk about what God has called us to. And we've taken time to talk about what we're building. Everybody say building. That's going to be a big part of the word today. And so I want to take some time to do a little more. But I also want to just emphasize at the end, also today we mentioned our legacy offering. And so again, this is our annual offering that we take up that helps us you know it's above and beyond our regular giving and what it does is it helps us to advance different key areas in the church as the lord would lead now i want to be really clear especially for guests who joined us today we didn't have you here to try and get money out of you please don't feel any pressure to give, any pressure to be involved in it. If you feel inspired by it and you'd like to do something, we'd welcome that but this is something we do as a church family. But it's something that comes from a heart of faith and a heart of believing God to build. Now we actually had a great start. How many were here last week with Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn? So Lady Carolyn kind of jump started things and got a whole bunch of people already sewing into the legacy offerings. So we had a bunch of people already sewed or who made commitments. We're really thankful for that but we do want to take it today and pray over it today and dive into that. Now, I just wanted to remind you of the practical things, because we always want to be very clear about kind of where money's going and what's happening. And so these are the different things that this offering is going to help us to advance, just so you can see it. So $5,000 of this offering is going to go towards signage and visuals around the building. Again, we get used to what's where, but especially for new people, we don't have necessarily the best signage. We want to bring more visuals into our lobby and different visuals to to bring more life and more uh, kind of vision to who we are. So that's $5,000. $10,000 is going to go to covering our server and Internet update. And so if if you've ever tried to use our internet here at the church, you'll know why we need to do this. So we have a solution in place. We're live streaming every week. We've got other things that are happening and we want to be good stewards with this. And so we've got a solution in place that will actually cost less that will give us better situation for what we're trying to do. So that's part of that investment and also with servers. And also $15,000 is gonna go for a fresh paint and refresh here in the sanctuary. If you remember last year's legacy, we had repainted the rest of the facility in the building. This year we wanted to focus in here. Now, I've said it several times. You might think, does it really need it? No, we just keep the lights dark quite often. Okay, that's, you get full lighting in here. It's not had a fresh, I mean, it had a little bit of touch-up, but it's not had a lot of it, has not been touched over 10 years. So we want to continue to steward for and care for the facilities that God's given us. So that's those amounts. And then we also have to-be-determined infrastructure projects. So anything that goes among these amounts, we're still making some decisions on a staffing and board of director level. There's some things potentially at the dome and, you know, our sports dome, some things there that maybe need to happen, perhaps some parking lot stuff. We're just making sure we want to kind of make sure we do our research and steward it well. So once we've decided on the infrastructure project above and beyond, we will let you know. And then obviously anything above and beyond that, as always, we just take it to our board of directors and we'll use it to continue to improve other areas of the church. So we're going to kind of formally, again, it's a little different now because we don't necessarily pass a basket and give offering envelopes. May people give online. But we're going to pray into this end. But let's, let's jump into the Word of God today. I want to teach... Uh, and preached to you a little bit from the book of Nehemiah. All right, so we're going to go to the book of Nehemiah. Thank you very much, sir. Let's go before the Lord and pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you that this is the day you've made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Lord, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship. Thank you for the opportunity we have for fellowship and community. Thank you as well for the opportunity we have to see people baptized, to celebrate them. And now the opportunity we have to go to your word. Father, I thank you that you will speak to us today. I pray that it will not just be my words as much as it will be your words speaking to every single person here. And what, well, Father, I thank you that we will be changed and transformed. We'll become more like Jesus because of what you do in our hearts and lives today, in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed, said. Amen. All right, so, honest question here before. How many of you in here have read the book of Nehemiah in the Bible? All right, so we got some hands. I see we have no hands. And there's some people I can see you're kind of trying to think. You're like, I don't want to lie. Have I read it? Maybe not. And then some people, you're just those, I'm not raising my hands no matter what you ask me, Pastor. You could ask me who wants to go to heaven. I'm still not raising my hands because I just don't like to participate or whatever else it might be in between. But we're going to spend a little bit of time in Nehemiah today. You know, as we're bringing our legacy, there's such a key theme here for legacy of building. And so I was asking the Lord, I said, Lord, what do you want me to talk about in the closing message? And I really felt like the Lord said, go to Nehemiah and talk out of the, teach out of the book of Nehemiah about being a builder. Because legacy is about building. Legacy is about building for the next generation. We've spent lots of different times talking about who we are, core values, what we want to build. We've had some other amazing messages mixed in over these last number of weeks. But I want to take some time today out of Nehemiah because Nehemiah is a book about building. Nehemiah is a book that carries such a theme of building. So I want to look at the story of Nehemiah. I want to look at this book of Nehemiah. And I want to pull truth from it for you and me in our lives about being builders. And about carrying the heart of builders. And my heart really is this today. Number one, I'm coming at two levels. First and foremost, I am speaking to us corporately as a church. And I want to call us to an even greater level of building what God has called us to build. Even as we're finishing this legacy series, what we're building for the next generation. I was thinking about, we're really celebrating this year, 35 years of Toronto City Church. This summer in July, we're going to be doing some fun things to celebrate. We've got ten years since the merger between TCC and Church Without Limits. That's part of our story and our history. TCC is thirty-five years. Church Without Limits this year would have been twenty-three years old, and celebrated twenty-three years. So you've got this heritage, this history coming together of who we are and who God's called us, but what we're building. So I want to encourage us corporate what God's called us to build, but I also want to come at the level I want to encourage you with what God has called you to build in your life. Because you are called to be a builder. You are called to build and to be part of what God is doing. So let's talk about a little bit of context for the book of Nehemiah. The book of Nehemiah is found in the Old Testament. Again, I know some of you are kind of going, where's Nehemiah in here? And you're finding Nehemiah. Nehemiah is in the Old Testament, and it largely takes the form of a first-person memoir that concerns the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem after the Babylonian exile. And this is rebuilt by Nehemiah, a Jew who was a high official in the Persian court. And the book is also about the dedication of the city and its people to God's laws. So a little bit of history and context for you. If you look through and work through the Old Testament, the people of God, there's kind of this whole journey. It starts in Judges, and then it goes through Kings, and it goes through Chronicles. There's like this up and down. It's kind of like this roller coaster of you had kings and leaders who followed God, and the people followed God, and things went well in the nation. Then they turned their back on God. They went and worshipped idols or worshipped other gods, and things got really bad. And it just kind of kept going up and down. And you'd think reading it, you would think these people would figure it out and go, you know, when we serve God, things go good and we turn our back on him and go to idols, things go bad. But, you know, if we really look at our lives quite often, we look at the world around us today, we can still see that same pattern, can't we? And that's part of the pattern we want to make sure we break out of we're committed to serving God. But ultimately, they reached a point of a stronger judgment because of how they turned their back on God. And Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and, and there's a whole bunch of story around this, but what they did was they finally just decided there's enough, they had rebelled against their rule in their empire, and so they razed the city of Jerusalem. They tore the city down, they took captives, and took them, and what they would do quite often when they were building these empires was they would conquer a land, and they would take the best of the best from the land. they take, I mean, obviously they'd kill some of the key leaders, but they didn't want to kill everybody. They actually wanted to take most of the people. They'd take the best of the best, and they'd bring them back to Babylon and bring them back to the center because they wanted the best of the best of the empire who were there. And that's why you find the story of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And a whole book of Daniel was about that, where they had been brought from their homeland. They'd been brought back. But then what they do is they would take a lot of people from that land, and they would force march them to a whole other part of the empire. And the reason they would do that is you, quite often, people were very connected to their homeland. And so people quite often would fight and lay down their lives for their land, but if you move them 500 miles away to some land that they have no connection to, they're not very likely to fight and to die and to lay down their lives for that land. So what they literally do is they take the best of the best and they bring them to Babylon, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then they'd move people around. Then they'd leave a few people in the land, but then they'd also send other people in just to really try and dilute things. So this is the context of where it happens. And this, the, key, the key person in the book of Nehemiah obviously is Nehemiah. And we're gonna learn some more about him in a little bit. But he was a Jewish man. Now this, had been, this was after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That was early. So this was afterwards, and this was a little bit of time down the past. And we don't know a lot about him. We don't know a whole lot about his family background. We don't know a lot about what had gone on with him. But we do know that he was a high official in the Persian court. So we know that God had given him favor. He had a very, a very desirable position in this court. But we're going to come into Nehemiah 1. Now we're going to do it's a little different today. We're just going to kind of chapter hop a little bit. So part of my goal today, I want to inspire you this week, especially if you've never read Nehemiah today, you know, up to this point, this week in your devotional time, spend some time in Nehemiah because it's an amazing book and God has much to teach us from. it. let's start in Nehemiah 1, to 1-4. It says, now it happened in the month of Chislev, in the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah. So he's here, he's in Susa, which is the capital, but then these men come back from Judah where Jerusalem is. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. So he's asked them, how is it back home? How are things in Judah? How is Jerusalem? Because obviously you have to think in those days, there's no television, there's no photographs, there's no social media to stay connected with things. He's you know, hundreds and hundreds of miles away, but he wants to know how it is. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who have survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. Verse four, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God in heaven. So today we're talking about having a heart of a builder because Nehemiah is a type and a pattern. He's someone who built, and I could say, is a picture or a type in the kingdom of God. And the first thing is if we're going to be builders, again, if we're going to be builders as a church corporately, also if you're going to be a builder in your life, the first thing that you've got to do is you've got to allow God access to your heart. You've got to allow God to move your heart with something. The entire book of Nehemiah pivots on this verse where he said, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Builders allow God to touch their heart with a mission, with a purpose. Builders allow God to touch their heart with a need. I remember hearing this said before, and it's always stood out to me. Sometimes people ask, Well, what would God have for me? What is my calling? What is something that God's called me to? Someone said it this way What makes you really angry? What really bothers you? What do you watch? You go, This isn't right. This needs to change. This needs to happen. Maybe, maybe you have a heart for young people in our society or maybe you have a heart for, for people who are in need or maybe your heart's really for the business community and there's just things in the business community you want to see or maybe it's in the education realm. What, what is God placed inside of your heart? Because this entire book of Nehemiah happened because Nehemiah could have gone, oh, that's just so sad, that's disappointing, but here he is hundreds of miles away. There's nothing I can do about that. Right? It's out of my control. That's too big of a problem for me. This is too big of a situation for me to deal with or me to handle. He very easily could have insulated himself. You know, we insulate ourselves to the problems, to the challenges, the things that are happening around us. And yet, he didn't insulate himself from it, but he allowed it to touch his heart. Family, if we're going to be builders, it starts with our hearts. It starts with our hearts before God. Let me read you a few verses that... I'm sure you've heard of and are familiar with. Isaiah 29, 13 says this, and the Lord said, because these people draw near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips while their hearts are far from me and their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Now again, the context of this is a little different, but here's the point I want you to get. It's very easy to fall into a trap of saying the right things, singing the right songs, going through the right motions, but where's our heart today? Where's your heart today? See, a builder allows God to stir their heart regarding something. That can be a dangerous prayer to pray because life is a lot more comfortable and easy when we just create our own little bubble and we take care of our own little details. But builders allow God to stir their heart regarding something bigger. Builders allow God to place a dream inside of them that's bigger than themselves, Builders are willing to take a chance of failure, of ridicule, of difficulty, of challenge. They're willing to take that step because they've allowed God to stir something in their heart. What do you weep over today? What do you fast and pray regarding? See, I believe God wants to stir this inside. Not that we're running around crying all the time or something like that. But what do we really allow in our hearts? Because that's part of what brings the fire. Let's look at another verse, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Again, you guys will know this. This The Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, being builders means we allow God to stir our hearts. What are you allowing God to stir in your heart? What are you allowing? Now here's some things, just some, some thoughts on some things that a builder has in their heart. First and foremost, a builder has a heart for God. Can I ask you this afternoon, can I challenge you, where is your heart for God today? Do you have a heart that's on fire for God? Do you have a heart that is about the things of God? Because that's where our heart should be, that we would have hearts for God. Builders have hearts for God. That's what a builder has. Number two, builders have a heart for his kingdom. See, we see this, it's a type and a pattern, but Nehemiah had a very comfortable lifestyle. I'm sure it was actually a very desirable position, but yet Jerusalem represented the city of God in his time and place. It also represented God's kingdom, and he was so moved. He said, this is not right. People are in shame. This is not right, the walls are broken down. He had a heart for the kingdom. Builders have a heart for the kingdom. Number three, builders have a heart for God's church. That's part of what we've emphasized here. So often, especially in our individualistic, consumer-driven culture and mindset, church becomes a consumeristic activity to us. I come. I receive a nice message. I really like to worship. That was a good vibe. There's some nice programs. Don't crowd me, though. Don't, Don't ask me to do anything more. Let me just come and get a nice service and leave and go. But see, God says, I want to stir your hearts if you're going to be a builder. Don't just come and watch, become part of building what I'm doing. What is your part in what God has asked? What is your part? And yeah, it involves sacrifice. It involves time. It involves energy. But like Nehemiah, because it's in your heart, you have a heart for God. You have a heart for his kingdom. So then you have a heart for the church that God has called you to be part of. And all this distills down to having a heart for people. Right? Notice Nehemiah was broken because he heard. What did he hear? It said, the people are in shame and great trouble. See, part of the problem was the walls were broken down in the city. That was very important. It's a very important point. Because in that day and time, walls provided boundary. Walls also provided safety and protection. I was just actually reading a study this week from Rick Renner. You guys know I'll quote him somewhat often. he He was doing a little Greek study on the whole, when Jesus talked about weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he said where that phrase actually came from, cast out into outer darkness, was quite often if someone either was receiving a punishment for more of a petty crime, or if they weren't sure if they committed a crime or not, they would tie them up and leave them outside the city walls at night. And the problem with that was the lions from the countryside would come in around the city walls at night. And they literally, the phrase that Jesus used, we talked about outer darkness and weeping of gnashing of teeth, they literally said, but basically, I mean, This was not particularly biblical, but they put you out there. And if you survive the night, they go, oh, you must be innocent. (laughs) Right? And if you didn't survive the night, then, oh, you must be guilty. Right? I I, I don't know about you. I don't really like that, that type of justice right there. But sometimes they would go back out, they survived the night, but they literally had gone mad because of the fear of the lions and the creatures being around them. And they'd be weeping, and they'd be gnashing their teeth. It literally means they've, like, lost it. Now, again, that's kind of a sobering side. I I, I wanted to catch the picture, though, because the walls were broken. If you don't have walls, you don't have protection. If an enemy wants to come and attack you, you have no protection against them. So he was broken. He had a heart for God. He also had a heart for people. I really believe God wants us to rise as builders even more, but it comes as we have a heart for God, a heart for his kingdom, a heart for his church, and a heart for people. If we just have a heart for ourselves, guys, we're not going to be building very much. But if we allow God to touch our hearts regarding those who are around us, to touch our hearts regarding his kingdom and his purposes, if we allow God to do that in our lives and in our hearts, then we are going to be builders. Come on, somebody say, I'm a builder. The second thing I want I won't spend as much time as, as in some of these uh, subsequent sections but I also want you to see it really was fueled by prayer and fasting. It was fueled by prayer, right? He his heart was stirred, and so the Bible says he began to pray and he began to fast. And again, this is we we talk about this somewhat often, but I just want to bring it back in front of us how important we are for us to be a praying church. For us to be people, if you're going to be a builder, even I'm talking to you with some of the things that God has called you to build in your life, listen, don't go out and try and build kingdom things without making sure you've laid foundation in prayer. Don't go out and try and build things that God's called you to build without having the prayer covering and the prayer backup and the prayer life to sustain it or else you end up getting smoked. You have the right heart, you have the right idea, you have the right intention, but if you don't have the right prayer and the right spiritual heart behind what you're doing, it's like you're walking into the battlefield without being properly prepared and equipped. And so we have to do that, but it's fueled by prayer and fasting. I was so thankful for all the people who came Friday night as we had altered Friday, our all-church prayer and worship. We're gonna have another one next month. We've gotta continue to strike the ground in prayer. In Matthew 17, 21, uh, this is the account of where Jesus came down from the mountain and he found that his disciples, there was a crowd gathered, there was a father who wanted his son to be delivered from a demon, they couldn't do it. Jesus rebuked the demon, the son was set free and the disciples said to him, why couldn't we cast the spirit out? And Jesus said this, he said, Matthew 17, 21. He said, this kind only comes out, sorry, give me a second. Nevertheless, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Now let me ask you a question. Does the story see Jesus go, oh, your son needs freedom? Okay, give me three days. I'm going to go away and fast and pray, and then I'm going to come back and deliver him. No, Jesus did it immediately. Why did Jesus do it immediately? because Jesus had already prayed, Jesus had already fasted, he was already ready for that moment, why? Because he had a lifestyle of prayer, he had a lifestyle of fasting, and guys, I feel for so many in this place, God has raised you to a new place of kingdom work, he's raised you to a new place of building, but don't wait until the problem arises, don't wait until the challenge comes to say, oh, I better pray, oh, we better do a fast, you need to be doing it on a regular basis, so you are ready, come on, someone tell you, your neighbors stay ready I'll give you guys the example is how many are familiar with YWAM YWAM is youth with a mission if you're not familiar with it I actually think it's the largest missions organization in the world it was started by Lauren Cunningham in the 70s out of the Jesus people movement and the desire was to send young people on missions trips around the world and so they've been doing that ever since I mean what are we 50 plus years And they've seen incredible things happen. I've got a cousin who's very involved in core leadership at their main, like, head-head base in in Hawaii. Not a bad place to set up your main missions base in Hawaii. But in all fairness, it gives them easy access to all different parts of the world. Um, But one of the things I remember she was telling me is, in coming the 90s into the 2000s, YWAM had really started to see a bit of a a loss of momentum, a bit of a dip. I'm saying this to someone anecdotally. I'm not on the inside to tell you all the stats, But then they started to get connected with the prayer movement because in the 2000s, God had really started to raise up night and day prayer, International House of Prayer. And so God gave a vision, and they said, you know what we need to do on every base that we have around the world? We need to start having prayer and worship as well as mission and going out. And so they called it Fire and Fragrance. Keep the fire in the altar. Let a fragrance rise before the Lord. And they began to have prayer and worship. So they literally would send teams out while they had prayer and worship also happening and they literally saw things explode to a whole new level. They saw more miracles. They saw more people come to Jesus. They saw more momentum coming through movement because they said, let's keep going, but let's also make sure we're being a people of prayer and of worship before God. You know, sometimes people kind of compete them against each other. They don't compete against each other. We need all of it, right? We need all, but it's about prayer and fasting. So if we're going to be builders, let's keep leaning in to prayer and fasting, Amen. Amen. now let's go to Nehemiah chapter 2. So we're going to jump ahead. So we're going to jump ahead in the story. Again, I'm skipping parts, so go through and read it yourself. And Nehemiah 2, 1 to 8 says this. In the month of Nisan, at the 20th year of King Xerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. So this is still, watch this, it's interesting here. Notice that Nehemiah prayed this out in his heart. And it doesn't even tell us for how long. Sometimes God's going to put a burden in your heart, call you to something, and you want to run off and do it right away. But sometimes you don't need to jump out and do it right away. You first need to see it solidified in the place of prayer. And you need to cry out before God and get your heart in the right place before God. So, but at some point, it says further on, wine was before him, I took up the wine and I gave it to the king. Now I had not been sad in his presence. And the king said to me, why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? There is nothing but sadness in your heart. Then I was very much afraid. and I said to the king, let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? I love this, he said, so I prayed to the God of heaven. In other words, he knew the real king that he needed to talk to for a moment. Now, I was saying to our first service crew, it doesn't tell us. I, I don't know if this is the king says, what are you requesting? Come back and tell me tomorrow. So he went and prayed to the God of heaven for the night. Or I don't know if it was one of those. Anybody had one of those? I got like 30 seconds here. Jesus, help me right now. Come through. In the, I don't know what the prayer looked like, but he said, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then watch what he did. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, then send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. And the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him. I find it so interesting, the Bible never puts anything by accident. I don't know, maybe his wife was like, you need to do this. I don't know. But the queen was there and said, how long will we be gone and when will you return? And so it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, now watch this. Most of us would have been like, thank you. You gave me some vacation time, I'm going to go. But Nehemiah's like, no, I'm pressing a little further. Watch this. He said, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king... Let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. Actually, uh, my mom-in-law told me, uh, Noreen told me at first service, if you go into the, uh, uh, in in Ottawa, and if you go into like kind of the, is it passport office? They actually literally have this on the walls, the first passport ever given. And as he said, give me letters, and watch this, he says more, he says, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted what I had asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. So watch this. This is the next thing I want to. Have. Builders will boldly ask. See this? The king comes and says, "So Nehemiah has been praying. He's been seeking God for this, but then the opportunity comes, and the king says, "Well, what would you like?" And so Nehemiah was bold. I'm mean, not only asked the king for him to go, and we're not talking like a two-week break. We are talking about a multiple-year break. He says, can I go? But they says, also, give me letters that guarantee my passage. And then he asked the king to pay for the whole thing. I mean, you talk about boldness. I mean, this guy was stepping up. And not only asked the king to pay for the whole thing, he said, build my house too. I mean, think about this. But yet God's hand was on him and so God gave it to him. In this season, I want to encourage you, it's time to boldly ask God like you've never boldly asked God before. As a church family, we want to be a people that boldly ask God for impossible things. This was impossible, guys. I mean, who would have thought? Why would the king care? Why would he let one of his trusted leaders leave for a multiple year journey? And why would he pay for the whole thing? But see, Nehemiah boldly asked, I want to encourage you in your life right now. What is God asking you to build? What is God stirring in your heart? Be bold in this season. Boldly ask God, don't settle for half-hearted things. Because I would have been tempted. Once the king said, go, I want a good, okay? Get out of here quick before he changes his mind. And yet Nehemiah goes, oh, thank you for letting me go. But hey, could you pay for everything too? Can you build it all up? And the king said, yes, what are we missing out on right now because we've not been asking God? What are we missing out on right now because we've settled for what we think is good, but it's not the great that God has? Come on, somebody say boldly ask. Matthew 7 verse 7 says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. It's interesting, the connotation of that scripture, it actually reads this way in the original language. Ask and keep asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep seeking and you will find. Knock and keep knocking. Family, I want to encourage you. It's time to ask more than we've ever asked before. It's time to seek more than we've ever sought before. It's time to knock and to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Maybe you've been asking and believing for some things and you've not seen the manifestation yet. Don't you give up today. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. You keep believing God because it's a season for bold requests before God for us in our individual lives but also for us corporately Can we as a church be bold and believe God for supernatural things? Can we believe God for the impossible? I love this. Hebrews 4.16 says this. Let us then with confidence draw near the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Nehemiah was before the throne of the king, but we don't just have King Xerxes, who obviously had great power. We've got the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and it's time to come boldly to the throne of grace to find help and mercy in our time of need. How many people want to grow in your boldness in this season, amen? Bold in heaven, bold on the earth. This is where God saying, let's look. Now we're gonna to go to Nehemiah 3, verse one. We're gonna talk a little bit more about builders. So builders, number one, builders allow God to stir their heart. Number two, builders pray and they fast. Number three, builders are bold in what they ask for. They believe God for big things. Number four, let's look at Nehemiah 3 verse 1. So, again, we're skipping the story a little bit. Nehemiah gets permission from the king. He goes back. He surveys the land. He surveys the walls. He does it very strategically. He does it at night so people don't know what he's doing. And he calls the leaders together. He says, it's time for us to build. And if he, uh, Nehemiah 3 verse 1 says, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set its doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Henanel. And next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zachir the son of Imri built. And if you go on through this chapter, it just begins to list all the different families, all the different tribes, all the different people who began to build their part of the wall. The third thing I want you to hear today, family, well, technically it's the fourth thing, is that builders work together in unity as a team. It was not just Nehemiah who went by himself to build these walls. He went as a catalyst. He went as a leader. But then he began to call the people and raise them up. And if I can speak to us corporately as a church family, God is calling us to a greater unity than ever before. God is calling us to work together to build and to advance his kingdom. And we need to make a decision that I want to build my part of the wall. I want to build. You see, you don't need to build somebody else's gate. You just need to know what God's called you to do. What are you asking of me, Lord? That's why this comparison thing can be so detrimental because we're comparing ourselves to so-and-so or we're ourselves to so-and-so. What you really just need to know is, God, what if you ask me to build? I'm going to get involved in building what I'm doing, but I'm also going to work with the others around me who God has called to build as well. And so we see it in verse 3. The sons of Hassanah built the fish gate. Verse 6, Jodah, the son of Paseah, and Meshulam, the son of Besodiah, repaired the gate of Yeshana. Verse 13, Hanan and the inhabitants of Zenoa repaired the valley gate. Verse 14, Malchajab, the son of Rechab, ruler of the district of beth Hecarim, repaired the dung gate. Now I was laughing, but I thought, they must have argued over who had to repair the dung gate. It's like, who wants the dung gate? Uh, crickets, crickets. All right, rock, paper, scissors. You win, I get, you know, You. I win, you get the dung gate. You win, I get the dung gate. But you as bad as it sounds. It was just that part of it. That's where you went out if you had to relieve yourself. But they had to rebuild the dung gate. And then verse 15, And Shalom, the son of Kolhazer, ruler of the district of Mizpah, repaired the fountain gate. What I want you to see, everyone took their part. Everyone played their part. Do you know you matter in what God is doing in Toronto City Church? You know, your part is important. You know, there's part of the wall that you need to build up in what God's building. Too often, we put our pastors or a few leaders on a pedestal and expect them to know we're all called to build the wall. We're all called to build what God's doing. You matter. You are important. Your praise matters. Your worship matters. Your prayer matters. Your giving matters. Your serving matters. You're leading a connection group because we need more connection group matters. I mean, all these things matter. It matters for us you need to be part of what God is building come on somebody say be part of what God's building Psalm 133 1 to 3 says this behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity it is like a precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his robes it is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion for there the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore Now, I don't have time to pull too much from this passage, but I just want you to catch the power of unity because the Bible says when there's unity and it talks about the unity of the spirit. Number one, the oil on the priest talks about the anointing. There's an anointing and a power from God when we walk in unity. And I love this picture of Mount Hermon because it's very interesting. Mount Hermon was a massive mountain in Israel. And it was so, even though it was in the Middle East, it went so high, it actually was snow-capped throughout the year. And there was snow upon it. what happened was because of the snow cap on top of the mountain and the moisture that was released, there was literally a dew that would come down the mountain. It literally watered the entire atmosphere around that mountain. And God's saying, when there is unity, it creates an atmosphere for life. When there's unity, it creates an atmosphere for people to grow and people to flourish and people to develop. There's like a dew from Mount Hermon that comes, and that's why we have to fight for unity. We have to protect our unity. We have to keep our unity. Now that doesn't mean we're always going to get along we're always going to see eye to eye but it means that we handle it the right way it means that we take a stand against strife it means that someone's trying to disrupt unity we say in love hey let's not do that that's not the way we handle things here i said this before if someone came in and you realize they're trying to steal the offering you would try and stop them pretty quickly wouldn't you you'll be like well you know i just don't want to get involved no they're coming in to try and steal what's happening well, guys, in the same way, we need to have artists. someone's coming and trying to steal unity, if someone's coming and trying to steal just the, 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 what God's doing and stirring some things up, we need to, hey, no, no, that's, we don't do that here. Right? Listen, no, you don't. No, if, someone, if someone offends you, don't go to everybody else about it. Go to the person and make it right. That's what the Bible says. We have that culture where we protect our unity. Come on, somebody say protect unity. And so, what, builders work together in unity as a team. And let's jump ahead to chapter four. And we're gonna get pretty close to a couple more thoughts and bring this to a close. Now, somebody tell me here, look in your Bible. What does the heading? Usually I don't preach the heading because it's technically not, it's technically not the scripture, but it's there to bring some understanding to the scripture. By the way, what what does the heading say in your Bible? Opposition to the work. See, that was better. First service had like 10 people say 10 different things at once. It just went blah, 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 blah. I had no idea. But it says opposition to the work. Everybody say opposition to the work. Family builders understand that there will be opposition and challenges when they're building, but they keep on building. Somebody say, keep on building they keep on building. Family, if you're going to build something for God, if you're going to build something that God's called you to, there will be challenges. There will be opposition. There will be difficult days in that journey. But what we need to do is we need to follow the example of Nehemiah, and we need to follow the example of the children of Judah in this time, where there was opposition, there was difficulty, there were things that came against them, but they just kept on building. And God has called you. Some of you are in a place right now where you've been building some things and the enemy's trying to come in and distract you and come against you. And the word of the Lord for you this afternoon is keep on building. Somebody say it again, keep on building. Let's look, Nehemiah 4, 1 to 6. It says, now when Sambalat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged. And he jeered at the Jews. He said in the presence of his brothers and the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burn ones at that? Verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him. He said, yes, what they are building. If a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. And so we see there's these taunts that start to come against them. Now, Zimbalat and Tobias are talking about just their leaders within the land. They did not want the walls rebuilt. They did not want Jerusalem coming back to a place of safety and protection. And so they began to mock, they began to jeer, they began to attack. But you notice, I want you to see the response of Nehemiah and the people. Because what was, what's the tendency? If someone starts to talk trash to us, what's our tendency? We want to talk back, don't we? Right, just picture 2023, Sembalit, you know, at Sembalat on Twitter, he's, who do these guys think they are? He's starting to talk trash, talk, at Nehemiah, what are you doing, Nehemiah? Right, Tobias gets in there, come on, a fox is gonna make your walls fall down. They're talking, and it would have been very easy for them to get into a back and forth, for them to start fighting with them, to start arguing with them, to get pulled into it. But what we see happens, verse four, they just simply did this, Here or God, Hear, O our God, for we are despised. So what did they do? They didn't even respond to them. They just went to the Lord. They said, Hear our God. Now they prayed a pretty hardcore prayer. They said, Turn back their taunts on their own heads and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they've provoked you to anger. Watch this, in the presence of the builders. David said, We're building. We are building. We're not getting distracted. You can say whatever you want to say. You can do whatever you want to do, but we are going to keep building, and we're going to go to the Lord, and then we're going to keep building. If we go a little further in this chapter, I won't read it to you right now, the taunts didn't work, so some Simbalat and Tobias and their whole crew decided we're going to start attacking and trying to kill them. So Nehemiah said, oh, they want to come attack? Okay, everybody, tomorrow morning, get your hammer, but get your sword, and have a hammer in one hand, and have the sword strapped to your side, half of you are going to stand guard and half you go. But here's what we're not going to stop doing. We're not going to stop building. You can taunt us, but we're not gonna stop building. You can threaten us, but we're not gonna stop building. You can throw whatever you wanna throw at us. We are not gonna get distracted, we're not gonna get pushed off, but we are gonna keep building. And I wanna encourage you today, you might be going through hell on earth right now and it may feel like everything. Don't you stop building what God's called you to do. Don't you stop doing what God has told you to do. You keep on building. Come on, somebody say, keep on building. Keep on building no matter what. Come on, some of you, maybe you walked in today and you're ready to throw in the towel on something God has said to you in your life. You keep on building. Don't you stop. I'm sure some days they're building and they're feeling pressure, and they're I don't know if this is ever gonna happen. We don't, you know what it is sometimes. You're in those seasons and you don't know how everything's gonna work out, and you don't know exactly how things are gonna come together, and you're kind of having some relational drama going on, and it seems like everything's just happening right now. Just keep Keep on building. Keep building your relationship with God. Keep doing what God told you to do. Keep serving in his kingdom. Keep building what he's asked you to build in your life. Keep on building. Come on, somebody say keep on building. If the team wants to come back and join me. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 9. For a wide door of effective work is open to me. I love that part of the verse. Right? A great door is opened. You know, don't you love game prophecies? God's opening great doors for you that no man can shut. Right? I love those kind of prophecies. Great doors are opening. This is awesome. Things are happening. But I don't like the second part of the verse so much. But it's there. It's part of the verse. It says, and there are many adversaries. I don't like adversaries. I like everything to be easy. I won't get you to raise your hand if you're like me on that. I like everybody to like me. Right, I like everyone to understand my heart and my motivations and just think I'm a great guy. Right, that's what I like. I like when it's easy. I like, I mean, I recently, I was talking to the Lord about something, Lord, can it just not be easier on this one right now? But God says, "What well, great doors of opportunities, great adversaries, right? We want the great doors, but we want the adversaries. But I found they often come together. Why? Because the enemy does not want you to walk through those great doors. And so you have to make a decision and a commitment in your heart even though there's adversaries. Here's what I've learned. When there's a lot of adversaries, there must be a great door somewhere around here. Right, God's got something he's just about to break loose. Something's just about to happen. If the enemy is attacking me this hard, if he's coming against me this much, there must be something he is terrified about because he would not be bothering me if there was nothing going on in my life in God right now. And so I want to encourage you, stop looking at adversaries as a detriment and start seeing it as a signpost that God is moving and I'm going to keep moving with him. Come on, somebody say, just keep building. Galatians 6 for 9 says this, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we'll reap if we do not faint or we do not give up. Why would we grow weary unless it's hard sometimes? Why would we grow weary unless the race was a little longer than we thought? Why would we go weary unless maybe there was some mountains we had to climb and we didn't realize it was gonna be this big of a mountain? We didn't realize it was gonna be this deep of a valley. We didn't realize we were gonna have to lose that friendship because we're just trying to follow God and we didn't even do anything wrong or this or that. Why why would we not grow weary unless there was some reasons? But here's God's promise He says don't give up because in due season you'll reap. In due season it's gonna happen. When's due season? I don't know, but I know it's coming. And you're gonna know when it's coming. Why? Because we just keep building. Come on somebody just prophetically declare it in this place just keep building. Come on, someone say it today. Just keep building. I love this, Revelations fourteen twelve. here is a call for the endurance of the saints, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. Guys, I want to encourage you, Revelations this talks about serious times, and we are in some serious times right now. I don't pretend to know exactly where we are on the time scale of God, but I will say this, there is a call for the endurance of the saints. There is a call for you to persevere. God's developing in you a thick skin, God's developing you a determination in your heart, because the deter- endurance of the saints, we will keep the commandments of God and will keep our faith in Jesus. And here's what you need to do today hear it in your spirit, hear it in your heart. Just keep building. People don't understand, just keep building building. You're not sure where the money's coming from but you know God promised he provide just keep building. You don't know exactly how it's all going to work out in the end. You can't see certain things. Just keep building. No matter what is going on around you. There's attacks there's fires. There's you know, things. just keep building. Why? Because in verse 6 they say so we built the wall and all the wall was joined together to half its height for the people had a mind to work. Gods, no, the people kept building. The people kept working. And then if we go to Nehemiah 6, 15 to 60, it says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Alu in 52 days. This was miraculous. And when all our enemies heard it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem, for they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Family, I want to encourage you today. You just keep building. You just keep building. Let's us just keep building because you're not building on your own. If God has called you to do it, and God has told you to do it, and God has provided for it, God will help you to finish the work. God will help you. You to just keep building. And no matter how many sandballets and tobiases try and step up in your way, if God is for you, who can stand against you? You just need to make a commitment. I'm not gonna stop, I'm just gonna keep building. I'm gonna keep building what God's told me to do. As a church family, we're gonna keep building what God has told us to build. Go on, somebody say it again, just keep building. Go on, say it again. I'm gonna build. Come on, say, just keep building. And so I want to, in this moment, if you are going to say with me, I'm just going to keep building. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to be a builder. I want you just to stand to your feet all across this place just as a response to God. Come on, let's raise our hands to the Lord right now. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus for every person in this place. And even as we stand to our feet to say, I'm going to keep building. Even as we stand to our feet to say, I'm going to follow what God has for me to follow. I'm not going to back down. Father, I thank you for what you've called. First of all, as I pray for every individual in this place. God, because you've called them to build as part of your kingdom. They've got part of the wall that they are called to build. And I pray today in Jesus' name. I thank you for fresh grace. I thank you for fresh strength. I thank you for just what you've placed in their heart, God. Lord, and they like have a spirit of Nehemiah that they will just keep building in Jesus' name. But Lord, I also pray for us corporately in Jesus' name. I pray for every person that's building, God, that together as a church family, we would be more united than ever before. We would be joined together by your Holy Spirit. Yeah, God, of course, in churches of any size, but this size, we're going to have differences at times. We're going to have ups and downs, but we are united around you. And Father, we are going to be together and we are just going to keep building in Jesus' name. I thank you for what you've called us to build here in the natural, but also in the spiritual. And I thank you for every person coming into their place. God, I thank you that even there's more that you are bringing. There's more people that you are bringing in, people that you are bringing from the north, the south, the east, and the west. God, to be part of building what you are building in Jesus' name. God, we thank you for this, and we thank you for what you are doing in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say, just keep building. Now, what I also would like us to do, I said at the end, we're going to pray over our legacy offering. So I've already explained to you again, um, if you're a guest, there's no pressure on this stuff whatsoever, but we want to build. And you know, I was thinking about the chair that you've been sitting in here today is there because somebody gave, right? The, uh, you know, when you walk in today, the, the sound system you're listening to me on was because two years ago we had a legacy offering and a bunch of people gave so we could update because the sound system we had was about to bite the bullet, right? There's a very practical side to it, right? The, uh, the, the, the building we're in is because people gave. Some of you gave to even see this place come up and in doing that, so we have an opportunity once again to give to keep advancing, to give to keep building forward. And So I want to encourage you, do what God tells you to do. That's just your place on the wall. What's God ask you to do? And so if the team wants to throw up that QR code, we'll have an opportunity. Again, right now, we're not passing baskets, but what I want you is I want you, if you know in your heart what you're giving or you're praying and you're seeking the Lord, I just want you to hold that in your heart right now. Uh, we've got a QR code up there if you want to make a pledge because maybe it's more fiscally responsible for you rather than putting the whole thing now, you might say over the next several months. Uh, and so we have a QR code. You can take that. It's taking you to online form you don't really like QR codes you're like pastor I don't do QR codes then just let us know we can send you a link so that'll be our old-fashioned response and if you don't like links we can give you a piece of paper with it on there whatever you want if you're if you're a pen and paper person just let us know and say I'm not trying to do all this QR code stuff pastor just give me a piece of paper so I can write down what I want to give but here's what I want to encourage you just do what God says and let's get this stuff covered. Let's go above and beyond. Let's keep advancing where God's taking us, amen? So hold that amount in your heart, what God's told you to do. And again, please remember when you give Clearly Mark legacy offering, or else it just goes into general funds and we won't know that it's for the legacy. And so Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this opportunity we have to sow and to give. Lord, I thank you that we are part of what you're building here. We're doing it as a family. And every person, if we just take our part of the wall, the wall gets built. And so I thank you for each one of us having a sense and knowing what our part of the wall is. God, that we would hear and we would obey. And Father, I thank you that even as we give today, we give with a spirit of faith where we say we're going to keep on building in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say it again. Say, keep on building. Well, I want that your faith. In your life, keep on building. For us as a church family, we're gonna keep on building in Jesus' name. So let's do this. Let's can we just seal this with the worship for a moment. Well, let's just worship God. And then I'm gonna dismiss us and get us out of here. Let's sing this. Let's just lift our hands. Let's just give God thanks in this place. Come on, he's building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against what he's building. And we get to be part of it, amen? And let's just do this. I- I'm going to dismiss you now, but just bow your head and close your eyes. I want to make sure I give an opportunity. If there's anyone here who does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Bible teaches us that God loves us with everlasting love, but we've been separated from love because of sin. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. We've all sinned against God. We all deserve death, but Jesus came to give us eternal life. But here's the deal. We have to receive that gift. We have to turn our back on sin, and we have to commit our lives to Jesus. That's our part. He does everything else, but it's our part. I want to encourage some of you come in today. And, and you kind of, you're feeling something. You know something is here that's different. It's real. That's that's God. That's God's presence. And he wants you to know him. He wants you to walk with him. And so just with head bowed and eyes closed, I want to ask, because we're going to close in prayer. But if you're in this place, you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, or you say, I need to give my life back to Jesus. I want you we've been talking about boldness today. I want you to use something bold. I want you just to raise your hand wherever you are. If you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, or I need to give my life back to him. If there's anybody in this place. Amen, all right. We always want to give this opportunity. Let me encourage you, just for anyone who's kind of on the fence, the devil does not have to get you to say no to God. He just has to get you to say not today enough times. And so don't say not today, but listen and hear the call that God has. So, again, I want to bring things to a close. Again, if you guys don't mind throwing that QR code back up for me, if you want to give a pledge or something towards legacy, Uh, so you can do other things, but we love you guys. God bless you. Remember, parents, sign up your students for the grad party that's coming up this coming Saturday night, but please sign up today so the team has numbers. Men, we've got our Brotherhood and Bacon breakfast this coming Saturday. Want to see you there, 9 a.m., five bucks. We're gonna have a lot of fun. It's gonna be good. Bring sons, like father's sons. Everyone come together. That's this coming Saturday. And what we want to ask is this. Today it's a little different. We've got a lot of things happening in the building. So School of the Spirit with Pastor Sharon and Pastor Samuel class, you're actually going to be in here. So you won't be in your regular classroom. You will be in here. In light of that, we need to ask if everyone can be a little quicker in exiting today just so the class can make sure they're set up. And if you're part of the new to church meeting, that is going to be back. I know some people don't go to the kids wing, but it's back in room G and uh, F and G in the kids wing down the bottom of the hall. So for those of you signed up for that, please come and join us. Uh, you probably can come pretty now immediately. We'll start pretty quickly with that. we got some refreshments for you, but we love you. God bless you. Thank you for sowing. Thank you for being involved. Obviously our regular offering and ties, we can get those in as we usually do, but let's keep building with God. Amen? As he's building his church, we love you. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday.
1: Church, build it from the ground up. It's your church Build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, it's your church, build your church, build your church, building from the ground up, it's your church, build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up, it's your church,